you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth on wednesdays at 4 p.m eastern time i go live on facebook to share my design tips to answer your questions to talk about what's going on in my world. Well, I not only share it on Facebook, now I'm going to be sharing it on my podcast. So today you will be hearing a recording of my most recent Facebook Live. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I finally have power back in my house. So here in Westchester, we have been without power for seven hours days and it came back today and I am so grateful and I can't wait to move out of the hotel and move into my own bed and sit on my couch and light the fire and watch crap on TV and stop eating crap every night for dinner. I have eaten Chinese food for three nights in a row. If I have another egg roll, I'm going to scream. Uh, I didn't even eat lunch today because the idea of eating out again was so Ugh, stomach turning. I can't wait to go home and just make something, anything, but I hope it has a vegetable in it. And I'm glad that you are not in my storefront because I smell. I smell. That's what happens when you're out of power and living at a Hampton Inn in Yonkers. It's It's been rough, but also it's been beautiful. It's been nice to have that place to go. And I'm ready to dive in with you. But I will give you a quick disclaimer. I have a whole bunch of emails that have come on this week, and I have not even previewed them at all. So I'm going to open up this file. I'm going to read it, and we are going to discover these things together, these magical design dilemmas. And I know I'll be able to solve them on the spot because that's what I do, but bear with me as they are revealed to me for the very first time. That being said, if you have a question, if you want to share something with me, don't hesitate. Put it on our Facebook page right now. Send it to me via email at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. I love to answer things on the spot, and I am anxiously awaiting your questions and a hot shower. Okay, let's go. So my first question that came in this week was from Amy. Amy writes, Betsy, I love your podcast. I have listened to every episode. I drive a lot and shuttling my kids from school to activities, you are great company. You have a wonderful voice and are so well-spoken. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you. (laughs) And your authenticity makes me laugh. 
here's my dilemma. My whole first floor is painted a light, warm yellow. I used to think it was a neutral background, but thanks to you, I can see how I've really overdone it with yellow. By the way, your designer, Kelsey, helped me with our family room by updating it with a neutral sofa, fabulous artwork, coffee table, and a beautiful blue rug. I'm glad to hear that. Kelsey is amazing. And if you're in London right now, she is able to help you or help you virtually here in the States because she just moved abroad and she's opening our London division. But you mentioned in my living room, the walls are yellow. Oh yeah, I know Amy. And the upholstery is caramel and the rug is a golden beige. Plus the hardwoods are golden oak. I love my red drapes, but I think my color palette is 85% yellow and 15% red. Help! We have lived here for 14 years and plan to stay at least six more. We need an update. I want to start by changing the wall color and I'm concerned that I will choose a different version of this same mistake. I am also considering some Benjamin Moore historic colors and a couple of Sherwin-William colors too. Do you have any advice? Thank you so much. So Amy, I don't know much about your style, but I do know that you've made a misstep or at least you feel you've made a misstep with this yellow wall color. So we need to go in a completely different direction, especially since everything in your home sounds really warm from the floors to the red accents, to the yellow, to the caramels. We need to break up this warm with cool. And based on your email, it would be too big a direction to take those walls in a cool direction that's a real Roy G. Biv color, like blue, green, or purple, which are all relatively cool, but maybe too much flavor for your current space. Speaking of flavor, I'm having some wonderful kombucha that is a lavender essence from the store that just opened today down the street. My first real kombucha and um, my first going to this amazing store at land here in Dobbs Ferry. So head on down, lavender kombucha. Anyway, back to your question. So we don't wanna go in a color direction. Rather, we wanna go in a neutral. And what is a cool neutral? Well, gray. But I don't think gray is matching your style based on the caramels, the reds, all these other tones that are so warm and typically more traditional or transitional. So I think we better go with a grayish. And a grayish is a fusion of gray and beige. Here are some of my favorite grayishes, and I hope you like them too. So I would have you check out Pale Oak. That's my wall color in my space. And I have yellow and red accents, and it works perfectly. In some lights, it looks gray. In some lights, it looks beige. But it always looks interesting, and it's not too loud. I would also look at Balboa Mist and Abalone. Now, all of those are Benjamin Moore colors. I'm not familiar with the Sherwin-Williams paint fan at all because it's not as readily available internationally as Benjamin Moore. So I'm just not familiar with it. Those colors I listed, I don't think any of them are historical colors, but they're all off-white colors, which are also a really great palette to choose from. So Amy, look at Balboa Mist Abalone Pale Oak. And if you do Pale Oak, let me know how it goes. We'll be twinsies. All right, let me get to my next question, which is from Raven. Raven writes, hi, Betsy. I love listening to your podcast and looking at your storefront windows as a fellow Dobbs Ferry resident. Yay. Thanks for looking at the windows. I put a lot of time into those four times a year and we do get some gawkers, but it's always so rewarding to get compliments because you spend money, you spend time. I have to think about it. And designing a window is so much different than designing a room. I have a whole tip list now on how to design a perfect storefront window because it really is its own animal, but it's also almost just as fun. 
Anyway, speaking of windows, I could use your advice on how to dress mine. My house is a 1939 Cape Cod, and almost all of the windows are above a heater. I have used 63-inch white shears on all of them, but they look funny since they are short. I didn't get the standard length because I'm afraid of the curtains catching on fire, getting hot, since they would be in front of the heater. I usually keep the sheer curtains closed for privacy and the blinds open for natural light. How do I dress my windows so that they can look sophisticated, be private, let light in, and not block the radiators? Many thanks, Raven. All right, Raven. So if you have a radiator that is right underneath the window and is as wide as the window or wider than the window, you should not have curtains. And it's not because it will actually catch on fire because typically a radiator heat is a steam heat. So it gets hot, but it's not like an electric type heat where it will catch fire, but it will melt your curtains. And it's not a great look to have the panels either hanging over the radiator or touching the radiator. Now, if your radiator is smaller than the window, so if the window's here and it's quite wide, and say it's 36 inches wide, and then your radiator is only 24 inches wide and centered on that, well, you could easily have two panels that stay on the side that flank that window that you would never actually close. And then you could have them gracefully and then have a blind that is manipulated day to day. So to get that privacy, to get the light, you would close and open the blind and leave the drapes just where they are because a fully dressed window has two elements, blinds and drapes. And the drapes are meant to be there for texture, color, pattern, and the blind is what is actually meant to be manipulated. That being said, not every window needs both. Not every window can handle both. So it sounds like to me your radiator happens to be wider than the window. Let's go back to our example. 36 inch wide window, maybe your radiator is 36 inches wide or 42 inches wide, right? So we don't wanna hang the panels so far outside the window box that it doesn't cover the window framing and we don't want it to touch the radiator. That means we need to do a blind. Now, you could do a Roman shade, and a Roman shade is a blind that's made out of fabric. So you'll get that color, you'll get that pattern, you'll get that texture, but it'll be inset in the window. Now, the problem with this is that they tend to be fully opaque, meaning you don't get that translucent quality. Either it's fully up, so that way you don't have any privacy, or it's fully down, so you don't get any light. The other problem with a Roman blind is that it has a big header because all that fabric, when you pull it up, gathers together and tends to make like an 8 to 12 inch header, which means you lost 8 to 12 inches of window and all that beautiful natural daylight from the top of the window when it's open. So you might want to do that Roman blind a little bit higher than the window, an outside mount. That's what it's called, an outside mounted blind, so it doesn't eat up as much of your window. Now, the other option, which is not as aesthetically pleasing and not truly in the era of your home, but you may find a lot of practicality with it, is to do a top-down blind. So this is a blind that is inset in your window, and either the top can come down, meaning that the blind is at the bottom. This is particularly good for first-floor apartments or homes that get a lot of street-level traffic because then people can't see you, but you're getting all that beautiful natural light. But they can also go the more traditional way where the blinds are at the top and you can open from the bottom. So it's called top-down blinds and it gives you both experiences. However, it tends to look a little contemporary and there don't tend to be as many options for colors, patterns, textures. 
So Raven, these are the pros and cons. This was a lot of window treatment advice, but hopefully something in there resonated with you and seems to be a solution that's workable. If not, write me back and we will continue to solve your drapery dilemma. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. All right, let's get to my next yummy, yummy question. Uh Uh-oh, you had a PS. I didn't even see because, you know, I launched right in today. P.S. If you have any thoughts as to what I can hang on either side of the window, that would be great. I know you said to group in odd numbers, so I'm planning to get the cool metal wood hanging jewelry piece from Pottery Barn to balance out the last, the left side and removing the big frame. Thoughts? So if you're flanking a window, if you have an equal amount of wall space on either side of that window, well, I think I would do something symmetrical. I think I could do, especially for the era of your home, being an older style home, symmetry was in. Symmetry is a transitional or traditional point of view, something expected. So it would be really fun to flank it with artwork that's a series of two, but similarly sized. Or if you personally have a more eclectic or contemporary point of view, well, you could do something that that is unexpected, that's not symmetrical, like two small things on one side, one large thing on the other side. I do love the idea of your sculptural jewelry piece, but I hope that's in a bedroom area and not in the living room area, just because subject matter, having jewelry in the main area feels a little bit weird. All right, let's get to my next question, which is from Crystal. Crystal asks, Betsy, what ideas do you have to replace under the sink base cabinet in a kitchen? I had a link hidden, I'm sorry, I had a leak hidden for some time and now it smells like mildew. To avoid that situation happening again, I'd like to do something other than the cabinet. However, I do need storage for cleaning products, garbage bags, etc. Any ideas? Hmm. Well, Crystal, I haven't seen a picture, so I don't know exactly what's going on. But typically, a kitchen sink is above a cabinet that coordinates with the other cabinets in the kitchen. Typically, you don't have like a freestanding sink or even some kind of farmhouse sink that might have metal legs below and just be a porcelain basin. I mean, even though it smells like mildew, I would just replace it with similar cabinetry so you get that clean, cohesive kitchen look. And then you'll just keeping keep, excuse me, products down there that are the cleaning supplies. You wouldn't put anything perishable or edible down there. And I think that could help. 
you know, of course, clean it out with bleach and make sure as you get it mold tested so it's not problematic. But I think just ripping it out and having a big hole or having a sink on legs that feels incongruous with the rest of the style of the kitchen is random. I think you just need to get it repaired, Crystal. That's how I feel. Um, so there we go. That's my answer um, just based on the data I have from this question. Let me get to my next question, which is from, let me scroll down. Whew, it's a big one. It's a really big one. Okay. From Aaron. All right, Aaron, let's dig into this because it's long. Okay. Hi, Betsy. I love your show and your book. Thank you for your practical, budget-friendly fun approach to interior design. I am writing because I have paint color paralysis. It is preventing me from moving forward with my decor and my furnishings. A little background, after living on a tight budget in small apartments for years and years, I feel you, Erin. Me too. Me too. My husband and I bought a house two and a half years ago. That's when we bought our house. Oh my gosh, parallel lives. At the time, we had a six-month baby and we were short on money and time to improve the space in all the ways we wanted. And we had a second baby in the house. Now we are at capacity with a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Most of the decisions about furnishings and decor were made to be quick, inexpensive, and practical for life with little ones. One of the projects we did do was repainting in the open kitchen and dining area. When we bought the house, the colors in this area were two shades of a warm, dull green. In the dining area, the lighter shade was on the top and the darker shade was below, separated by a chair rail. In the kitchen, just the lighter color was used because there is no chair rail. This area feels small with low ceilings and not much natural light. While the colors did coordinate with the greenish-black countertops and muted light green-black backsplash, it was just so drab and depressing to me. Everything had this terrible yellow tinge. When it was time to repaint, I went with the two shades that are cooler towards blue and lighter towards white. The colors are Benjamin Moore Aberdeen Green and Appalachian Trail. Big mistake. The space is brighter and cheerier now, but not sophisticated. In certain areas and in certain rare moments of good natural light, the lighter color looks mint and is just too saturated. And it does not go well with a backsplash in the kitchen. I have lived with these colors for almost two years, and I am ready to admit defeat or start over. Of course, my husband could not care less about this and is annoyed about spending the money to paint again. So it really needs to be right this time. After reading your book, I'm feeling optimistic about gray cashmere. It is much more gray than the current colors, so I think it will coordinate better with the backsplash. I am feeling a little nervous about the shade below, misted green. This color feels more rich and might, be, and might read too much green in large doses. Is too much color on the wall to use? Oh, is too much color on the wall to use both of these colors? Okay, let's talk about that. Um, what about painting the entire area in gray cashmere, both above and below the chair rail? Any other ideas? I have attached some pictures for context. And you can see the warm wood stain and the floors play a big role. I think too big a role. I'm not willing to repaint the cabinets or refinish the floors, but I am considering painting one of the wood doors white. I know this will take away from the matching quality in the space, but I think white doors might help brighten everything and allow for other accent colors to come into play. All right, okay, 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 okay. It's long, it's long. Let me just answer what's going on so far. I think it's too much green. Way too much green, so much green. I think with the green backsplash and the green countertops, it is time to stop the green insanity. So you have paint paralysis. I think you have, 
gangrene. <laughs> okay. That's my diagnosis for this situation. I really want you to do a neutral. I think the idea of painting your cabinets white is a very good one because that color is a little bit dated, right? That warm wood look. So painting it certainly would be a help and you don't like them. So you might as well change them and see if you like them a little bit better. That being said, you'll want to have the money to get them professionally painted because if you paint them by yourself and you don't get that really smooth finish, well, you might wind up hating them even more than you do now. Painting your cabinets, good idea. But I think we need to bring the paint color down, make it less obtrusive, totally move away from gray, even gray cashmere, and go into this neutral zone. I think you need a taupe. I think you need a light taupe on the top. And I love the idea with your chair rail of going with a deeper taupe on the bottom. I was recently, and by recently I mean exactly one week ago today, last Friday, decorating in Dobbs Ferry. And this lady had very light buttercream wall paint and she had a chair rail and she had done the same color below and above. And it's just a missed opportunity. You can have so much more fun than that. So what I recommended for her was to do like a taupe because I didn't want her to go away from her neutral safety zone. And she had a huge room with a lot to cover and she wasn't changing any of the furniture. So we couldn't reinvent that wheel or introduce a new tone. But then what I told her to do and what she got really excited about was to do a wallpaper below the chair rail. It could be a grass cloth or it could be something with a subtle pattern that would really draw attention to what's below the chair rail and make it feel much more special. And because your room is quite small, doing a wallpaper down there could make it feel really unique it may even be, even though I'm kind of biting my tongue, may even be a place to introduce a little bit of green in the pattern that could relate back to the kitchen and then have that very light neutral above. So here are the two options as I see them. The first is to do that light neutral above the chair rail and continue that throughout the kitchen. And I'm thinking a taupe. So again, that gray beige, you may want to lean a little bit more towards a creamier, towards a beigeier color rather than the pale oaks. So you may wanna look at something like Edgecomb Gray. That could be nice, which is actually quite beige when you see it in person. And then below the chair rail, you could do a wallpaper that coordinates with the paint color, but maybe brings in a touch of green. Or if you wanna forego the wallpaper idea, you could just do a deeper version of that taupe color. And say you did go with Edgecomb Gray. Well, the deeper version is Revere Pewter, and they go beautifully together. And I think it would make a nice statement and help to stop the paint paralysis. I hope that helped, Erin. Keep us posted. I want to see after photos. I want to see what you actually do with this dining area. So unfortunately, guys, I don't have any time for more questions, but I think we got a lot covered today. And the main takeaway is if you're afraid of paint, go neutral. That's easy, right? The other takeaway is that you should write to me with your questions before you paint and paint again. So send me all those questions to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com and I will catch you next week. Bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, 
you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.